We've gotten so good at showing people our life, but I think we could do a better job at letting people into our life. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. I'm back with you again. I missed last week. Jay, how'd it go? I, we did fine without you. Okay, sad. And uh, I think everyone's feeling... Uh, the tension right now of increased restrictions in lots of provinces across yeah. Canada, but also increased sun. Hey. You know, spring is coming. Yeah. There's a tension there. And so here's what we're in. And you know what's exciting? Uh, even in the midst of restrictions, uh, we can't wait till post-restrictions to start gathering in groups mm-hmm. and provinces all across Canada with yeah. the Canadian Church Leaders Network. But we hosted a gathering online, a conversation with Daryl Johnson and Brooke Ligertwood from Hillsong. And it was an incredible conversation. And so if you missed it and you're listening, Leash, I know that you had other plans at the time. Yeah. You missed it, but you get, you're going to watch it. No, I'm really looking forward to it. I heard it was amazing. It was amazing. It was so good. What stood out to me the most was um, two really like influential, powerful people, in my opinion, mm. who were so humble. Like the way they communicated to each other was just like, like the way they listened and preferred each other and like were careful with their words because they were talking about God's word. And it was just beautiful. And so I know that Worship Central Canada is going to post the full conversation. You're going to be able to see clips on all of our channels. So that's coming out. And today we have Sam Picken, which is yeah. really exciting. Sam Picken leads C3 Church in Toronto. They launched it nine years ago. And they're doing amazing things and God has been working in incredible ways. Tell us more about him. Yeah, I love the conversation. I think I knew that we wanted to have him on the podcast when restrictions first hit. And I saw they started this kind of virtual partnership with Cisco for people in their church, like a virtual food hamper. And I saw them being really creative Mm -hmm. how they could respond to the needs in the community. I heard a lot about Sam Pickin and C3. They're a growing church. They're reaching people, um, creating great resources for others. But I saw this, this is a creative church responding in this time. And so I was so excited to reach out and for him to say yes to this interview. And it was a great conversation. We talked about that and so much more. Now, before we jump into the conversation with Sam, let me tell you a bit about our sponsor for this episode, Compassion Canada. I know for me, when we launched our church here in Vancouver, we resolved that we wanted to find practical ways to engage our church community in real acts of service, like hands and feet kind of stuff, both here locally and around the world. But this year, with all of the restrictions, it has been more challenging than we expected it to be. And our friends at Compassion have heard that's been an issue. And so they put together a new resource online that's really aimed to do two things. One, to spread some hope and good in this difficult season. And two, to inspire you and I and our church communities with unique expressions of kindness and generosity, no matter what your lives look like right now and no matter what the restrictions. Yeah, for example, Robin, a business owner in Alberta, gives a portion of her sales from her handcrafted jewelry to help ensure the urgent needs of kids living in poverty have safe water and sanitation. Yeah, I read a story on there about Deb in Ontario. She retired from her job and now she asks people to donate towards Compassion's COVID-19 relief efforts. And she's raised, I think, over $5,000 herself to make sure families that are in extreme poverty around the world have the food and hygiene supplies they need. So if you want to join other Canadians like this and doing some good, go to compassion.ca slash good for some practical life-giving ideas. Compassion.ca slash good. And Leash, one thing about Compassion that I'm excited about is Rach and I have been sponsoring Children with Compassion for a number of years. And one of our girls, Samantha from Nicaragua, is graduating. And, wow. and which is amazing. It's just That's so amazing. special. And Compassion is setting up like an online Zoom call 
for Rachel and I to actually get to chat with her and meet her. And I just can't wait. It's so exciting. That is so special. So I'm, I'm so excited so to hear about grateful. it. Yeah. I'll tell you guys all about it after it happens. And uh, yeah, so that's why we're grateful for Compassion, the work they're doing around the world and the work they're doing to support even this podcast. So huge gratitude. With all of that said, let's jump into today's conversation with Sam Picken. Well, hey, Sam, thanks for hanging out today, man. I just appreciate your time a ton. Oh, it's so good to be here, Jason. Come on, man. This is exciting. That's so good. Hey, I want to start by giving people a chance that don't know you very well to get to know you a little bit and maybe start by telling us how you found yourself in Canada. Yeah. Well, if you haven't gathered this already, I am Australian. Um, I met my wife in Australia at C3 Church. We're a part of the C3 Global Network of Churches. There's around 600 C3 churches around the world. And about 40 years in, I uh, just celebrated the 40, 40th anniversary wow. as a movement. And uh, so went there, the long story short, try and keep it short, went there. No, take your time, uh, man. Don't, don't keep it short. We want the full <laughs> meal deal. Sure. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, so went uh, to Bible school uh, when I was 18. I'm 36 now. And that was at C3 in Sydney. Uh, we're kind of like the cousins of Hillsong. And um, then through that, just the, uh, there was a map on the wall in a church planting mm. class. And on the map, they were pinning where the current C3 churches were. And this was in 2003. And when I was looking at the map, I seriously just looked at Canada and looked at North America. And it just struck me wow. uh, that that this Holy Spirit moment that I felt just called to Canada. And this was before I met Jess. And true story, Jess, she has an Australian accent as well, but she's a dual Canadian citizen because her dad was born just north of Toronto. So I actually, and that's not, I didn't marry her as a church planting strategy, by the way. Uh, I married her because she's, because she's beautiful. And because I knew that if I didn't snap that up uh, quick enough that, uh, someone better than me would. So, um, yeah, so we got married a, a couple of years later after we met. And then in the first year of our marriage, uh, which was in 2008, we moved to Canada and lived in Calgary for four years. We helped out there at a C3 church there with Lorne and Kelly Tebbett in Calgary as youth and young adult pastors. We also helped plant C3 Saskatoon in that time. So we'd like, we'd drive on Friday night after doing youth, drive six hours to Saskatoon with a team, a mini bus wow. of people. We do church on Sunday and I drive back uh, Sunday afternoon with that team. So, so we did that twice a month for about wow. 18 months. What months and, of the uh, year was that? I think it's worth asking because that drive all, all changes year, a man. lot. Oh man, yeah. that's so good. Yeah, There's one, one story, uh, our we were in a car, just me and one other guy, and uh, the car broke down two hours out of Saskatoon, and it was negative 40 outside, oh and we had no way of heating the car. Honestly, I think we just spooned, like, for, <laughs> to try and, like, try and, like, it's keep survival. Going. Yeah, it was, it was seriously like that. It was, like, because it was, it was in the middle of the night. We had this silly idea why don't we drive through the night so we don't have to worry about like, you know, wasting some of the day on Saturday. So we left on Friday night and it was like two in the morning and we had to get some, anyway, whatever. So help plant C3 Saskatoon, survived that. And uh, then 
in 2012 moved to Toronto uh, mm. with a team that we had gathered. We had six other people that moved from Calgary to Toronto with us. Um, and uh, some of those people have, have moved on now and they're in different parts of the world. And then uh, some of the team is still uh, in our church and then started in 2012 to where we are now. And C3 Toronto is now three locations. Well, outside of COVID, uh, yeah. would typically be three three locations. And things are going well, man. We've seen a lot of people get saved. We've seen a, we've seen a lot of great team and uh, disciples being made. And church life is really good. Hmm. And was the dream Toronto for a while? So you're in Calgary. You're helping plant in Saskatoon, but was going to Toronto in the plan. So between 2008 and 2012, how did the kind of idea of, of C3 Toronto kind of get formed? Right. Yeah. So in 2009, just after we moved to Calgary, Jess and I were en route to the States and we flew through Pearson Airport. And when we we're sitting in the airport, Jess, my wife, just turned to me and just said, man, like, I think Toronto is it. We were always talking about church planning. I, since that story of looking at the map, I just knew that we were going to plan a church. It was just a matter of when hmm. and, um, and how. And that was a 10-year journey, just waiting in God. And then in 2009, um, that was when Toronto was first set on a heart. So, we just, so it just started as that. And then we just kept traveling back uh, a few times. And then... Um, just be, we, we kind of about 2010 or 2011, um, when we were really starting to take it, we were thinking about taking it public. We were submitting it to our senior pastors and authority and everything. And, uh, so we had a Gideon fleece moment, um, just to test it, just to be like, I'm unsure. We didn't feel like I'm a country kid. So I come mm. from a country town in Victoria, Australia. Um, so I've never lived in big city before. And the city intimidated me when we traveled into downtown Toronto. I felt very scared, very intimidated, super insecure. And so we were sitting at a coffee shop and the coffee shop still exists. It was Dark Horse on Spadina, um, which anyone in Toronto would know where that is uh, if you drink coffee. And uh, we're sitting in there and, it, and I, I said to Jess, we're going to test it. Like if we're going to start a church here, when we invite people, they'll say yes. So why don't we invite someone to a hypothetical mm. church and if they, if they say yes, I'll consider that like God's confirmation and start taking this thing public. So a guy wanted to use the washroom and he asked me to mind his laptop because um, he's just sitting in there doing work. And, uh, and I said, sure. And then as he was gone, I said, Jess, I'm going to invite this guy. This is the guy. So when he came back, I, I invited him. I said, hey, listen, my wife and I are sitting here talking about whether we're going to start a church here in Toronto, like a, like a Jesus centered Bible believing church. This is my evangelism strategy. Man. It's not, it's not. No bait and, then, and switch. Uh, I like that. It's just like, yeah. here's what it is. Here's what it is. Yeah. It really, it was so boring. It was so ugly. It was just like, what, what am I saying right now? And I just said to him, if we came here and started a church, would you come? And he kind of like paused for a sec and looked us both kind of up and down and like kind of vibed it out. And maybe it was because I did a nice act of kindness of mining his laptop and didn't like run off with it. But, uh, but he said, you know what? If you came, if you came here and I'd try that. I've never, I've never done that before, but I'd come along and I'd check it out. And for me, 
I was just like, you know what, God, wow. that's that's it. I just believe there's going to be thousands more of that type of story. I love that, dude. So, that is so encouraging. And when You've- the funny thing is, is when I invited, I befriended him on Facebook, and when I invited him when we moved, funny enough, he he had moved to Calgary. So he he then now lived in Calgary in the very same area where we moved from, and uh, we just showed him the churches to go to there. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome, man. Oh, I love that. That's so encouraging. And, and would you say like that that heart to invite that guy or girl who might not have any church experience or disconnected is, is pretty core to the DNA of, of what of C3 Toronto? Oh, it should be the core of DNA of any church. Like churches only grow one way through people visiting. Hmm. So they there is there the best the best way to grow a church is to invite people. Hmm. So I just, I, love that. I think the spirit, I think the spirit of invitation is the spirit of Christ. Like he, he, he invites us like prodigals to his table. And I've, I felt that in my story, in my journey. And I think if we see other people as God created humans, we just pine for them to know what we know. We just, we just want, we want them to know the gospel. We want them to know what they, what they don't like assuming what they don't know. So, so you want to, you want to form the introduction somehow. Um, I love the language you used of like spirit of invitation. And I've been thinking about this idea of invitational culture. And essentially it's like something happens in any organization or any community of people like the church where, it's not just that there are things to invite people to, it's that people have a culture of we are inviters into our home, into our lives, to a church service, to right. Alpha, whatever it might be. And like, do you, do you think there's anything practical that you could say to church leaders who are saying, I'm trying to create an invitational culture in my church? Like, how do we actually create a culture like that where we're not trying to convince people to invite them to an invite Sunday, but we're actually creating a culture that people are naturally inviting people to? Yeah, I think I think invitation in its essence is what you said. It's hospitality and that hosp- hospitable culture is magnetic. It's generous, hmm. it's warm, it's inviting, it's hey, let me take your coat. It's just being kind, it's being a good human being. I think we can all lead an example like that. We we might not be the pastor ever that has 27 people coming to church and getting saved every single year. I know sometimes when pastors say, hey, the best way to develop an invitational culture is lead by example and always have someone new sitting near you. And and uh, I don't know, sometimes that's a bit deflating because you invite many people. I've got, I've got so many stories of telling people uh, about church and inviting them and, and it hasn't gone well and it's fallen flat. And so I think I think we can all, though, have an intentionality of hospitality. And I think mm. the way you're doing it at The Way, man, uh, how you're just doing church life in, in homes, you're navigating things through COVID. COVID is like the anti-invite uh, vibe. I mean, everyone's wearing masks. No one, no, there's, there's barriers everywhere to, to, to make genuine connection and invite people in this time, even when... An invitation is just, hey, man, 
we're online, I'll send you the link. Like invitations right now are super easy, but with all the barriers and everything going on, it's like the enemy's having a heyday to try and get people disconnected and mm. removed from the church and therefore people aren't getting saved. But I, I think just, and then the question is, is, well, how do you develop a hospitable tone or culture in a very inhospitable season like COVID? And uh, I think, uh, I, I think, you know, just working social media while going the extra mile with, um, you know, sending people direct messages, sending people text messages, just and, and doing it where it's less mechanical, less I'm sending you this because I need something, but I'm just sending you this because I'm thinking of you. Just simple things like that. All of us can do that. I want to chat a little bit about the virtual food bank that you guys were part of creating. And so right. tell me a bit about it. And then I've got, I want to know a little bit about, you know, just how it came about, how it's been going and some of the partnerships you guys formed to actually make it happen. Cause that's what, what stood out to me the most about it. So tell us about it for those that don't know. Yeah. Like C3 Toronto hasn't met in person since March 12th. So, um, we have, I don't know where you're listening from, but um, in Toronto, the restrictions, especially in downtown, our three campuses are, are rented from Toronto School Board schools. And so we have permitted venues. So all our gear is just in storage and it has been for 10 months. And then what was happening is in the original red zone um, restrictions, there was there, it was so tight, but the need was so there still. And so food banks weren't able to uh, get groceries and weren't able mm. to get food. And there was different. And so our team, and I just said to one of the girls on our team, hey, like, you know, we've got some smart people. They're not something that we can do to bridge the gap. So we developed a relationship with Cisco. Um, we had a web developer throw together a website and um, we got we got a discount rate through Cisco, and then it's just a matter of like online shopping for groceries, and then those groceries uh, get automatically dropped off to different food banks. And we do that. We did that through uh, our missions arm, which is called Love Toronto. But then that developed a little bit because one of the problems that we were facing when we thought it was just going to be a three week flatten the curve, and it ended up being three months, that four months, five months, and it was like, what the heck's going on? Um, so when, when we realized all our team are at home and people aren't active in church and, and disciple, there's a lot of disciple making that happens through activity. If you, you, you can disciple people just through theology, but most of it, if you look at Jesus, he walked with his disciples. He did things. Mm. He broke, he broke bread, distributed the bread. That was a disciple-making exercise of feeding the 5,000, and it was activity. And so we were like, well, teams aren't gathering together, and we felt like the discipleship was dropping, that people's strength in the Word of God, that people's own minds were going haywire, and there was all this stuff going on. So, so I, we then had another talk about Love Toronto, and we're like, hey, listen, acts of kindness, we, we can do way more here We've got a massive team of 600 plus people. What are the, what are we doing? And then in September, we said, let's do Project Love Toronto where uh, we do, we have events every single day and we treat them like micro churches. 
So 10 to 50 people in various different events. Every single day, there's church that you can go to. And we do a pre-huddle and a post-huddle at the Project Love Toronto events. And there's there's the Acts 2 stuff going on, um, prayer, fellowship, breaking of the bread and teaching. So someone will share something, there'll be prayer, we'll talk about Jesus, we'll even give a salvation moment. We'll just say even, so some of the, to give you a picture, where we've got our team meeting with an organization who may not be Christians, they're huddling around with all the workers of that organization and they're saying, if anyone would like to receive Christ at the end of feeding the poor, at the end of doing this event, if there's anyone here that would like to receive Christ, just come and talk to me afterwards. And so still all the elements of wow. church that would normally happen on Sunday are happening every single day, like seven days a week through, through Project Love Toronto. And then since September to December, we did, I think it was... Uh, about 340 events. There was on average four events happening a day. And uh, we partnered with about 30 to 35 different organizations. Wow. And that's and so encouraging. This has just been church for us for the, our office here. We just basically turned into like a little, little uh, factory where, <laughs> where people come in and they put kits together, hygiene kits and different things. And we just, Whatever these organizations need, we try and resource it in some way, shape, mm. or form. Wow. One of the things that stands out, there's so many things that stand out to me about that, and it's very inspiring, and I love it. And, uh, but one that stands out is to do that, you've got to empower people. Like You've got to go, okay, man, you're up. You're going to lead this. You've got to lead the huddle. And I just, any thoughts on just the the scary side, but also this, the exciting side of just giving, like this is decentralized. You're giving away the work that often right. is a few people doing it. I don't know, how t- how'd you process that? Yeah, I think, yeah. Over, over time, I, I think with a big stage and the, and the presentation of the man or the woman or whatever, like the separation of the saints doing the work of the ministry and the pastors doing the work of the ministry, gets very, very separate. Like, and it, and it has, our church has been in existence for nearly eight years now. So for the first seven years, we developed some of those habits. And Ephesians 4 says that it's our role to equip people for the work of the ministry. And, uh, and then 2 Timothy 2 says, in order, in order for Timothy to, to multiply the work, it's like, you know, listen to the things that you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and entrust them to one criteria, reliable people. It says, entrust, entrust what I'm saying to reliable people. And there's four levels of leadership in that one verse. Uh, and then teach others to do the same. So I, all, I, all we did, I keep saying I, but all we did as a staffing team was we wrote a list and, we, and the one was like, who's been reliable? Hmm. And, then, and then we just... And then, so basically when, when you've asked this person to do things, they've come back and they've done it decent. They've done it well. They've, they've been reliable. And then we just, okay, all those people, they're all the point people and they're all the Project Love Toronto team leads. And, uh, and you know, just let them loose. Yeah, not every one of them has been successful. And they've got the campus pastors and the, and the coaches have been coaching them and guiding them to like do the huddles better 
we kind of formed like this is what we want a huddle to look like and we changed a few of the training sessions and different things. But for the most part, um, letting people loose uh, has served us extremely well. It's been mm-hmm. awesome. You guys are starting off the year with prayer and fasting. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah, every year, like a lot of churches, we start off with um, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And um, man, this year it's been so needed. So so we're fasting right now. And um, then just over Instagram Live, that's how we've done it. Last year, we did it at three different locations where the campuses are. And uh, people met at 6 to 7 a.m. And then on Saturday from 9 to 10. Um, but now we're just doing it on Instagram Live. And it's great. It's so mm. good. I've been thinking about prayer and I think, um, I feel like when I connect with the church internationally, um, in my old life, sometimes it was traveling in my new life. It's just on zoom. And, uh, I feel like globally the church prays, but in Canada, we struggle to pray. Uh, mm. we're, I don't think we're a praying church and, and there are obviously massive, beautiful exceptions to it. Like there are individual churches that come to mind that are deeply prayerful and there are international churches in Canada that are putting us to shame, like almost as if missionaries coming and they're praying. And I feel like one of the things that God is doing in our time is like before a revival in our nation, a revival in the church of prayer. And so even just as I was praying, preparing for this interview and saw on your website, you guys are doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. I mean, you're kind to say, I'm sure a lot of churches are doing it and many are. Um, but I just, I don't know, man, any thoughts or reflections on creating an environment of prayer or where that, that conviction comes from from you? Yeah, I have to um, give credit to Pastor Phil Pringle, who is the founder of C3 Global. Uh, You know, for years of following him on social media and he posts like waking up at 5.30 in the morning, going to prayer uh, and that's just a habit. And he doesn't post like that to boast or be egotistic or anything. He posts like that to make disciples. And just the foundation of prayer um, has been role modeled to me uh, when I rediscovered Christ and, and decided who we wanted to be as a church. So even when we planted our church, we didn't worry about too much else, but we did start with a prayer meeting. So our first Sunday meeting with a total of 15 people was a, was a one hour prayer meeting. And then we ate, we cooked a meal together. And yeah, of course I talked vision and all the rest of it. Um, and then we met weekly and we haven't stopped that meeting ever since. So every single Thursday night, hmm. uh, we, we meet for prayer and we've never stopped that just for one hour. And so that culture is built up in our church. And, um, that's where power, that's where the power of, of making disciples and running your race. And that's where your anchor is. That's where your security is. That's where, uh, that's where just your central like, um, compass is. And I, I just don't know how I could possibly even think about being a senior pastor if I didn't try and go to God in prayer as much as I can. Hmm. I think I'm kind of like, I know you'd probably feel the same, like, kind of tired of seeing what we could pull off on our own strength. You know, it's like Ugh. our best strategies. Like, dude, when I hear you talk about partnering with Cisco, I'm like, dude, it's the best. And like, but then you look at the needs still and you're like, there's still so much. So, you know, we do everything we can do, be creative. But there's this point where it's like, I think maybe it's just having this like 
measure of being discontent, a holy discontent at the state of things. Um, right. You know, and I just, I, I think it's something I'm processing. You know, usually on this podcast, I realize I'm processing a, a maybe God calling me into prayer to be a, a pastor who prays and to create a church that prays, lest we think somehow we can pull this off on our own, you know? So good. And the fact, the fact that you are thinking that, you're, you're already there. Like, hmm. it's not about, I think God's so merciful in that, you know, if, if any Christian is watching this and you're like, you feel bad about your prayer life, don't, because God shows up the first second you show up. So it's 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 like it it doesn't matter. You just turn and say, "Dear Jesus, uh, I'm sorry." It's like the prodigal son when he tried to repent coming home to the father, and the father didn't even listen to him. He's like, "Shut up! I want to <laughs> I want to hook you up again. I want to instill you again." And I because God sees the heart of repentance, not not the words. And I think some people some people might like say the right things to God, but when he looks past to the heart, um, maybe there's something missing. And so the words are a bit vanity. They sound right. They sound like repentance, but there's not true repentance there. But when I heard you just speak then, your heart is shining and your church will role model that and God sees it. And mm. so I think that I think that just to be that heart, one, someone that seeks God, someone that, really values those, that foundational thing. Um, yeah, you, I mean, not that you were looking for my, no, dude, I'll take it. I, I'm getting pastored here. It's good to have it. Um, I just, I'm glad I just you need, have that moment. <laughs> I just need to say, you know, you're like, you, you, you're there, man. It, it's, oh, I love it's, it. It's so good. Oh, dude. Thanks for sharing that. Hey, earlier we were chatting just before we were rolling and, um, you talked about kind of the season of COVID and, and I think everyone's kind of tired of being like talking about COVID, but something about right. the pressing of this time has emphasized the need for some foundational principles, some foundational things. And I just would love to know what you meant when you said that idea of like going back to some foundational things. Yeah. Well, you asked me if, if like there was a room full of leaders and pastors, like, um, what what would I say and and to to anyone for that matter is what COVID has done is it's 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 kind of like a shaking of everything like mm. um, everyone was rattled the 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 whole world was rattled the only good the good news for Christians is in our rattling we have God with us and that just shows me how important the gospel is because. I can't imagine having to go through a pandemic and not knowing what I know in the gospel. Um, but that, that to one side, everything shaking off and falling off in my life and, and just different things like you said, like doing things in human strength, hello, I'm the first to admit, like human strength, that's me. And, uh, and all this stuff falling off is just what COVID's taught me is the importance of the getting the foundation right. And I know this is just going to sound so simple, um, but if there was a room full of pastors, I would just say um, the Lord's two commandments, to love God and love others. Uh, to me, that has just struck me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fighting back weeping. 
um, has struck me in such a profound way that um, when, when did we lose loving God in church planning? Hmm. And when did we lose loving God in our pursuit of uh, just Christianity? Can you be a Christian and not foundationally be, have a love relationship with God? And that's where your identity comes from. That's where your security comes from. That's where, you know, you stop comparing yourself. You stop trying to run. You don't run your race to win the prize without God. You're not trying to do it in your own strength, but you, but you run and you strenuously contend, as it says in Colossians, but you do it with Christ. And, and it comes from that prayer life. So just seeking seeking God first and then that shows you how to be towards other people mm-hmm. and we've seen over and over and over again over the last year how our world in a godless society who do not have relationship with God don't know how to treat one another they just they just do not we don't have a compass on how to be kind on how to seek justice on how to be humble towards one another and how to be the church and be Christians. So, so it's just, it's those basics. It's like Jesus sums it all up, everything, over 600 laws in the Old Testament and mm-hmm. everything. And he just says, listen, if you want to do what God has always been asking us to do, to lay down the idols and do everything else, it's just, I can sum it up for you guys. It's, it's love, love God with everything. And I've been, I've been finding my prayer time has changed out of that. The way I read the Bible has changed out of that. My own personal worship has changed out of that. As a senior pastor, I feel like that is secondary. What is first is that I'm a Christian. And then, and then he says, now love people. And hang on a second, light bulb moment. That's the reason I started the church in the first place. It had nothing to do with preaching series and, you know, what graphics we're going to put out and what video, what our video quality is going to be like. Everything to do with starting a church was because I wanted more hope in people's mm. lives and that hope is found in Jesus. And so just getting back to those, just to revisit those foundations, then that, that sets everything else up well. And mm. I hope I'd, I know I pro- I will depart from those places again in in my own stupidity. We're all we're all humans, um, but uh, but I just pray that I can keep keep the foundations right and keep keep going back to that place. And I believe the result of that is is us as leaders in the church finishing well, mm-hmm. running our race. Faith- faithfulness is not truly merited to someone until the finish line. Hmm. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, well, faithfulness at the start is just faith. So mm. when you're on the starting blocks, it's just faith. Uh, but when you're like Billy Graham and you're passing on into walking through into the, the heaven, uh, then you're well done, good and faithful. Faithfulness is faith expressed daily over the course of a lifetime and yeah, there's, there's faithfulness in seasons, but I, I'm 36 and I want to be faithful in Canada, planting churches, raising disciples and seeing what reflecting the light of heaven in the best possible way that C3 Toronto can 
and to just be a part of the family of God in this nation, I want to do that for the rest of my life. This, I, mm. I want to I end well, and I believe ending well comes from just keeping those foundations right, loving, loving God and loving others. Hmm. I love your passion um, and commitment to the church in Canada and just giving yourself to that call. And, you know, as you're dreaming about the future, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot because sometimes the dreams are not meant to be shared broadly. Um, but just in a way that you feel appropriate, like what, what is in your heart, man? Like when you look ahead for C3 Toronto or for you and yeah, what are you dreaming about, man? Yeah, I, I dream for our nation to, uh, to fear God for all, to fear God for the, for the way that that is meant to be, to, to seek him first, uh, and his righteousness, to honor his word. And I believe that the best way to do that is to introduce people to God and make disciples of those people. Um, and you just do that, repeat, 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 and you do that through church planning. So I want to be a part of planning churches like all across the nation. And I feel like you're someone that wants to do that. I know that there are other leaders all over Canada that that have that in their heart. And I think that uh, now's the day. Let's mm. Let's do it. Let's raise people up, send people out, build great churches. Let's be less insecure and uh, really champion uh, the kingdom in our nation. And in turn, we'll just see heaven reflected across Canada like mm. never before. I think that's revival. I love that, man. I love the, the expression of like that basic building block of trying to be a disciple yourself and trying to make a disciple. Because like there's books on church planning and I think you can plant a church, but not make a disciple. And there might be something right. making happening. But I think it's like, man, that fundamental task of like, how do I introduce someone to Jesus and then help them learn to follow him? And I feel like in the chaos, and when you're saying foundations and like love God, love people, I mean, that's really like what was impacting me was just this idea. It's like, man, in the midst of all of this, it's not like we're not, there shouldn't be a paralysis that sits in that says like we can't do anything. And then I know that some people respond like, oh yeah, but I can't partner with Cisco. Or I can't. And I get that, like God's wired Sam Picken really uniquely to think creatively and God's, you, you refer to a team that's obviously sharp and dynamic, but it's like n all of our job descriptions at its fundamental level are still the same. It's like, how do we help people in turbulent times? And there's always turbulent times, put Jesus at the right. center, make decisions around him. And uh, I just feel like that's, that's, that's a call that you've, you've articulated so well. Um, I feel like is is clear in this time because all of our like apparatuses aren't there. And I remember the moment, dude, when it's like, okay, let's get plexiglass up. So they're installing plexiglass and we're like, let's re retrofit our building. It's like, let's do everything to keep the Sunday service going. And I love Sunday service. Like, don't get me wrong. And I can't wait for when it's yeah. back. But it's like, oh, like, I think sometimes that's a distraction from the fundamental building block right. of what we're trying to do. Right, 100% making disciples just and and that breaks it down to to what you just said one one person at a time the next the next person and they're all they're all there they're all right before us god has already sent us the people for us to uh to develop christ-like character in and build uh in our churches and if we're faithful with those people then god is left without any excuse to send us more hmm 
What's been challenging for you these days, man, in the midst of it all? You guys have found incredible opportunities. What, what's, what's been the most challenging? Yeah, it's such a good question. Uh, I, think, I think keeping my head right um, with keeping everything online, so, so much screen time, Hmm. Uh, doing everything over digital, um, just keeping my head right. And again, I'd have to take that back to prayer, but that has been a challenge. Just, of just, just keeping good boundaries around simple things like social media and stuff like that. Um, and I've got three kids and beautiful wife and just making sure that those, those, this, the main thing stays the main thing. My hmm. family stays the main thing. And, just keeping my head right because you can feel you can, you can run so hard and so deep uh, following rabbit trails and, and trying to look for influence. But then that goes down rabbit trails of distraction and then rabbit trails of insecurity and other rabbit trails of things. And then our heads just filled with so much stuff. And then we get so confused as to what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And we start saying yes to everything. And then, then we're absolutely hopeless at everything. And, and then you get really shameful and doubtful on yourself. And then people are, people are making decisions in church. They're, they're making decisions through COVID and some of them you don't agree with because, you know, maybe this person's made this decision because they're moving away or something. And you're like, I don't know if you really sought God on that one, but, <laughs> and then you're, and then you're trying to, trying to keep everything together. And then, you know, I, I think it's just, keeping your head right. And the way to do that is what we already talked about through prayer, just surrendering all to him. God is large and in charge. He is king and he knows what he's doing. Hmm. Um, I'm sure you didn't miss like in the last couple of months, there's been two really prominent pastors that have, um, you know, scandals come out and it's, right. and uh, it's not new. It's like you can, every quarter, you know, every couple of months, there's another story like this, which is really sad. And I, you know, I'm just wondering how you're, how you are processing it and how you've allowed that reality to shape the decisions you're making as a young leader. Yeah. In reflecting of those, uh, circumstances, um, I have to, I have to just not make any assumptions about, the, the struggles and cause I don't know, like we're just watching someone else's experience in someone else's life, but out of the reflection, thinking about my own life and what I would, might say to someone, um, is we've gotten so good at showing people our life, but I think we could do a better job at letting people into our life. Hmm. And I could show you Jason, what I want you to perceive Sam Picken to be. But what's more beneficial to me and to you is that I let you in. And so I think, I think if we can, if we can uh, let God in, let the Holy Spirit in, let him talk to us about the things that are uncomfortable, but then in that also let other people in, let, let pastors, let past not everybody, not everybody has to be let in super, super close to the deep inner workings of your world and the things that you struggle with. But I struggle with many things and I need to make sure that I'm communicating those things very clearly to people that, that I trust hmm. and to people that have, um, 
uh, fruit, fruitfulness mm. in their life. And so I, I think, I think let's stop showing the world who we are and let's let people into our lives. Oh, dude. Maybe, may, that's, maybe that's a thought. I love that thought. Well, dude, I've so enjoyed our time together. Thank you so much for making time to chat today. It's a real blessing. I'm just so encouraged by what God is doing at C3 Toronto and through C3 Church around the world and just appreciate you loving our country and coming here. I'm praying that God sends more Australians and other countries as well to Canada (laughs) because Australians seem to carry such faith, man. I know I'm generalizing, but something about what God's done in that nation has a deposit of faith and it's impacted the whole world. Like I see it all over the world. It's not just Hillsong. It's not just C3. There's like a deposit from something God's done there. And man, we'll take it all. So if Australians are listening and you want to plant a church, there's like, there's an Australian church planner. Like I'm pointing to North Van right now, just out my window. And he's doing such a good job, man. I'm like, just send more because we need more uh, great leaders. So thank you so much for coming here and serving and for wanting to stay. A big thanks to Sam for jumping on with us again today. We love getting to hear from different leaders and churches across our country. Hey, we would love to hear who you want to see on the podcast in the future. We're always looking to bring on leaders who can speak to our Canadian context well. If you have some church leaders or maybe some authors too that you think would be a great guest, please send us a DM on Instagram or you can drop it in on our Facebook group. Next week, we are excited about our interview with AJ Soboda. He's an author and professor in Portland, Oregon, and has written some great books, his newest being After Doubt. Him and Jason dig into the topic of deconstruction, what's healthy about it, how to walk with people who have questions and uncertainty about their faith. I know it's such an important thing for us to be talking about as church leaders because so many young people walk away from the church in their 20s, often because they have these questions and doubts that they either don't feel safe to express in the church or don't have someone to process with. It'll be a timely conversation as you think about what you and your church can do to make space for healthy doubt and dialogue. Well, that's all for today. Have a great week, friends, and we will see you next week for our episode with AJ. AJ.